Hey, uh, there's something dear to my heart, my family's heart, that we have loved for a long, long time, and it's adoption. I don't know if you know about it, uh, but my wife, uh, she was adopted when she was just weeks old into her family in Grand Rapids, and uh, she loves, loves her adopted family that God gave her. And I don't know if you know it, but if you're a child of God, you're adopted. You know that? And it's one of the most beautiful things that God has done is taking um, orphan people, lost people on their own, and brought them into his family. And it's just awesome. So we have a family with us that just, excuse me, went through a very special process of adopting two little kiddos and Todd and Susan Speck. And I am looking for them. Where are they at? They are in the back here. I see Susan, where's, Todd's up here. Okay, there's Todd all the way in the balcony. Hello, sir. And Susan's down here. And with their girls, Karina and Ruth, they have adopted two young ones, Caleb and Louisa. And they just went out to, uh, you call her Lulu, is that right? Okay. And they just went out to Arizona a couple weeks ago and brought them back. This has been a two-year process. And God has blessed them. And now those two have the last name Svek and are in a forever home. Isn't that awesome? Every bit, every bit a part of their family, every bit real kids. And, uh, and sometimes adopted kids, you know, have some, some extra things that we need to keep in mind. And, uh, and one of the best things they could ever have is a loving church family. So celebrate with the Svex. And you see these two little kiddos, pull them in. They're a part of our church just as much as anyone else. And what an exciting thing. So we're grateful for that. Also grateful for... The $3,500 that came in for our missionaries for their Christmas gift. I think that's fantastic that we can send them something special. And we are about halfway through with our um, Christmas Emmanuel Child, the the star Christmas program. Every $25 um, sends over um, gifts to Russia to help these young children. I think we're somewhere in the 70s of stars we've sold. Our goal is 150. And um, so I think we got a couple more weeks on that. Stop by the hub and let's send some gifts to um, some kids in Russia that would love to have them. So grab your copy of the scriptures if you would, and then grab your study guide on the back of your worship folder. And we're going to walk through a passage that is critically important for us today in our series of the purpose of the church. And in Matthew chapter Nine, we're going to look at the end verses here, and we are going to see Jesus being on mission with his disciples. Now, I want to work through a couple strategic terms with us here this morning, so that way we are all together. We talk about mission, we talk about vision, and for our awareness, we are working through issues of mission and vision here at East Bay Calvary. Our staff is talking about our our ministry opportunities and how we can grow in our effectiveness here in Traverse City and beyond. Our elders have been talking about it and our discussion is going to continue 
Because the reality is we want, thank you so much. Um, we, we need to continue to grow in our effectiveness. We need to work this out. And I know whenever we talk about the potential of making adjustments in church, it's not the easiest thing. But our mission is not to be tied to our preferences. We want to be effective. I believe God is all about effectiveness. When God was on mission and he sent Jesus here, gang, he was effective in everything that he did. And I really believe he wants us to be passionate about being effective in truly reaching our world and making better disciples here internally. So here is uh, some terms for us to be thinking about. If you would, um, they're right there on your sheet. Our mission is our overall goal. Our overall goal to accomplish. This is the end goal. This is the big, big picture of everything. And our vision or strategy is the specific plan to accomplish the mission. So the, the mission is the overall goal. The vision or strategy is getting specific. How are we going to accomplish the mission? Now, the mission never changes. So that we know when, when God set up the mission for the church, it never changes. If the mission changes, that means God changed it. And I'm just telling you right now, he's not going to change it. So we don't change the mission but the vision or the strategy may change. There's a number of reasons why it may change. It may change because of culture. You realize our culture is not the same today as it was a number of years ago. If, if you didn't realize that, then ask the person next to you to nudge you, say, wake up, it's the 21st century. Realize back in the day, I used to go to the phone that was mounted on the wall and had the cord about this long that always got it knotted up. So sometimes you're right up against the wall to talk to someone. Now everyone walks around not only with their phone, they walk around with their computer. It's crazy. My wife's papa passed away 20 years ago and we talk about, could you imagine? When, when he passed, we didn't have all this stuff. You couldn't FaceTime. Culture changes. The things people identify with adjust and so our vision needs to adjust because if we never adjust our vision based upon culture and identity issues, we will end up hurting the mission of God for the church. We have to adjust the vision to stay on point for the mission. And our mission here at East Bay Calvary is this. It's simple. It's simple. It's these words. Maybe you know them by now because we've said them a few times. You want to say it with me? Here we go. It's more and better disciples, flat out. More and better. We want better or more? I said, yes, we want them both. There has to be more. And that's a great commission to go and make disciples, make people who were not disciples, make them disciples. But then it talks about teaching them and baptizing them, people getting deeper in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we're all about more, and we're all about better. And both need to happen here simultaneously. So today, in the more category, 
we want to talk about what is our number one outreach strategy. Like, how are we going to do this more? How are we going to connect with our world? How are we going to make more disciples? Well, I'd like to navigate through this passage here that chronicles the very beginning of Christ's vision for reaching the world. And Jesus had this mission established of more and better. Now he's going to outline it for his disciples of how we're going to accomplish the mission of more and better. And here was his outreach strategy for his disciples. So you're there in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through chapter 10, verse 1. And I want us to see Jesus and his vision for engaging those away from God. So you're there, whether in your iPod or iPad or your Bible, whatever you have right there, here's the mission of more and better disciples and how Jesus wanted to get his disciples in making more. And as we work through this, there's three phrases I want to develop for our outreach perspective, our outreach vision. So here we go. Stand with me if you would. Is it a little warm in here? And I'm not even preaching hellfire and brimstone, and it is warm. Well, we'll have to live with it, because guess what it is outside? It is cold. Yeah. Here we go. I want you to see this passage, chapter 9, verse 35, and I just want to take this to chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus went through all the towns and villages. He was teaching in their synagogues. He was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Chapter 10, verse one. And Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And Father, what an awesome passage on vision that I pray you would help us to embrace and get a sense of your nudging in our lives today as we talk about your outreach strategy for reaching our world. Use it in a great way in our midst. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Be seated if you would. I'm gonna give us three phrases for developing our outreach vision here at East Bay Calvary. Three phrases for developing our outreach vision. So here's phrase number one, and it's what we see in verse 36. You'll notice that Jesus was going to the synagogues, he was going to the villages, he was talking to people about the good news of the kingdom. He was healing disease and sicknesses, and so here in verse 36, he looked at these crowds, and if you understand the makeup of the crowd, it was individuals with physical problems. It was individuals with personal problems, criminal problems, 
sexual problems. It, it was a crowd so diverse that was filled with all kinds of challenges. And Jesus looked at them, if you'll notice verse 36, when he saw them, his initial reaction was he had compassion on them. And it says the reason being is they were harassed, they were helpless, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And I want to give you a first phrase for us to think about developing our outreach vision and a phrase to deal with this morning from this passage, from this specific verse is feel compassion, not contempt for those far away from God. Feel compassion, not contempt for those far away from God. He saw them and he saw them as harassed and helpless. He saw them as a sheep that was sent out and it had no shepherd, it had no guidance, it had no protection. And so you know what happens if you take a sheep and you put it out there and there is no one around to watch it, there is no boundary for it, there's no one there to care for it, there's no one in there to protect it, you know what's going to happen to that sheep. It's going to end up in briars, it's going to end up in problems, it's going to be attacked. There's going to be all kinds of challenges to it. And so when Jesus looked out this crowd with issues, he had a different feeling in his heart for them. And he felt compassion. I want to give you some stats. How do we see our world? In our world, there's over 3,000 divorces in our nation a day. There's nearly 400,000 attempted suicides each year with over 40,000 succeeding. Forty-one percent of marriages claim to have one or both spouses admit to either physical or emotional adultery. The issues of drug use are continuing to rise. Child abuse is becoming more and more known. Sexual abuse is there. We are seeing an explosion of declarations about sexual abuse in our nation's culture and history now that is just, the veil is being opened and we are getting a little glimpse of what has been there for years and years. The issues of abortion, the physical challenges, the addictions, the habits, and these are the people that Jesus looked at and he had compassion. And compassion is a deep awareness of the suffering of another. I understand what they're going through, whether it be self-induced or whether it be thrown upon them and there is a desire or a wish to relieve it. Jesus was moved with compassion on many occasions. Um, in Mark 1, the Bible mentions Jesus saw a leper someone no one would want to come near, and he put out his hand and touched him. Matthew 20, he saw a widow who had lost her son, and he had compassion toward her. There were two blind men near Jericho. He had compassion. His compassion rescued a woman caught in adultery. 
It caused him to eat and associate with those who were on the outside of religion, and there were no doubt that his compassion for people put him at odds with some of the religious individuals who didn't really have compassion on them. Now, how about you? We know Jesus has compassion for those on the outside, for those with challenges, and praise God, because guess what? That's all of us. But how do we do sometimes with compassion for those with some big needs? I'm going to tell you about a man named William. My eyes have not always seen people with compassion. And in fact, sometimes the first thing to my mind is this. Saying something like, I told you so. I don't know if you've ever thought that or maybe read a book about someone who thought that. Or you know what? That's what happens when you make stupid decisions. I ran into a guy named William. He's a man from the community back where I was from in New York. And our church had had a number of opportunities to help him and encourage him. And I knew him on a first name basis. So we poured into his life. And one time I went into Rite Aid Pharmacy and and I was staying there getting my prescription, and all of a sudden, here walks in William, and he's like, Pastor Brian. And he said, hey, William, come on over here, man. And, um, and William gave me a hug, and, and instantly, the scent that was on his body was now on me. And a lot of that scent was also not just body scent, it was smoke scent and alcohol scent. And I'm thinking some thoughts in my head that were not compassionate. And I said, how you doing, William? He says, well, not good. I've got COPD. And I'm going to be put on oxygen full time. Now, I'm just going to let you in on the inside, folks. There's some thoughts that go through my mind that I would never want put up on that big screen up here. You know what I'm saying? And I think you have some of the same ones. And some of the very first things through my mind of what I wanted to tell William were not extremely compassionate. And somehow, like a blind squirrel that finds a nut, I actually said something gracious. I said, William, man, I am so sorry. How can we help? How can I help you? And interestingly enough, when I didn't come at him and let him have it, and I dealt with him with compassion. Here's what he said, and it totally blew me away. He said, well, pastor, it's not your fault. I brought this on myself. I was blown away. I brought this on myself. 
He says, here's how I need some help. I'm five days smoke free and I need someone to stick with me and, and to keep encouraging me to stay away from that stuff. I said, I'm on it, man. I'm on it, buddy. And then he said, and you know what? The, the other thing I need, I, I need to get into church. You think your church would let me in? I said, well, let me think about that for a minute. Yes. And it's interesting, the response that came from him was exactly what I would have wanted, but probably would have never gotten to if I came out and said, you know what? If you just read the stinking carton, it would have told you there'd be a problem. Yep, I see folks like you every day going through this. It sure is tough, isn't it? Yeah. And instead, you deal with someone with compassion and they reach back out and he opened up and God started to do some things in the man's life. To see him with compassion and not contempt. People are hurting, folks. I read a poem that just opened me wide. Drowning in the deepest sea. The waves are crashing over me. I am gasping frantically. It sucks me under easily. I know you cannot understand, but can you just reach out your hand and pull me safely back to land and sit with me till I can stand? Please don't minimize my pain and Say my losses, heaven's gains, words wrap around me like a chain and sink me to the depths again. Hear the words I cannot say or will you choose to walk away? You want me back to yesterday. You liked me then, but not this way. This is not a comfy place. And I can see it in your face. My loss you cannot just erase, but you can be God's Hands of grace. I'm going under deep. Can you sit with me and weep? Actions speak and words are cheap. And by reaching out, God's word we keep. You know, I thought about it this week. If anyone had the right to say, I told you so, it would be Jesus. <laughs> you realize that? Jesus could say, um... Hello, I wrote it all out for you. What's your problem? You know, this is what happens when you make stupid decisions. But Jesus knew that this is what happens when sheep need a shepherd. They wander off on their own. They can get injured. They can get lost. And he viewed them as individuals that were suffering that needed relief and he was going to give it. Compassion softens its recipient, contempt hardens them, and compassion like Jesus is something that will radically impact our outreach vision. So phrase number one is critical for us to think about feel compassion, not contempt. And I need to work through these next two a little bit quicker. Here we go, number two. Number two, see those away from God as opportunity, not opposition. I love this one. So there you are, right there in verse 37. 
He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion. And he said to his disciples, and some of us maybe, if you grew up in church, you've heard this for years and years and years. He calls them the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so he looks at the harvest. Now, just take for a moment ourselves and put us in the agricultural economy back then. Everything orbited around harvest. Everything orbited around what you would plant in the spring, hoping it would come to to full bloom in the fall and you would get a lot of money for your harvest. And so Jesus looked at those that were harassed and helpless and hurting, and he said, they are like a harvest. Now, imagine what that would have told those people back then. That, that would have told them, these people have worth. These, these people have value. That's someone we would want rather than something we would want to reject. And so Jesus said, they are a harvest and different than the people in religiosity to that day that would have said they are valueless, get away from them. He's flipped it around, portrayed them as the ones we would want to go after. The ones to whom we would ascribe worth, they are the opportunity, not the opposition. And then notice he says they are plentiful. They are all around. There is no way to get away from it. They far outnumber the workers. You can't go anywhere without the opportunity. And just put it in our perspective, who here would say, you know, I don't know anyone that really needs help, right? Every one of us would say, I know somebody. In fact, I know a lot of people. It's kind of like during World War II's Battle of the Bulge, U.S. General Tony McAuliffe told his troops, men, we are surrounded by the enemy. That means we have the greatest opportunity ever presented to an army. We can attack in any direction. Isn't that good? And so we look at these folks and we realize they are God's opportunity for us. And it's all around. We can't miss it. I'm going to give you a third one. Then I got something for every one of you here this morning. Um, Understand your presence as an appointment, not a coincidence. This is a beauty. Okay. When you look at this and you see what we're going to see, you have to say, Jesus, you are awesome with what you do. Understand your presence as an appointment, not a coincidence. So verse 38, realizing these people have needs, and he calls them a harvest. And then the workers are few. So verse 38, ask the Lord of the harvest, pray to the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So he told his disciples, that's who he's talking to, disciples, I want you to pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out people into the, into the harvest field. So guess what he does in chapter 10, verse one? He sends out the disciples. And, and if you're wondering, it, it reiterates it in, in verse five, these 12, Jesus sent out. So Jesus says, I want you to pray that someone will reach them. 
And then the very next verse, he says, oh, by the way, you're the answer to your prayer. Here you go. That's just genius. I was thinking about doing that this morning. Let's all pray that God will send forth workers. Take 30 seconds of silence, and then we get done. I was going to say, okay, you're the answer to your prayer. Let's go get them. That's what Jesus did. He said, there's, there's the harvest. It's all around us. And what a coincidence. The harvest is here, and so are we. Maybe there's, the two should get together. They were the answer to their prayer. And so here's the key point through this whole thing that I want us to see. And it's there in your study guide. This is the big deal. Key point, I am God's outreach strategy. I am God's outreach strategy. For reaching my world, there's a reason why I'm there. Maybe it's not accidental. Just think about it. Maybe it's not accidental that you live in your neighborhood. Maybe it's not an accident that you have your family, although they may tell you you're an accident. Maybe it's not an accident that you have the friends you have, that you work where you work, that you shop where you shop or golf where you golf or hunt where you hunt or work out where you work out or vacation or fish or maybe it's not an accident that the harvest is here and so are we. My last personal um, account on this, I was flying back um, last February from Florida to New York I saw my parents for their anniversary, and um, there are just some days I just don't want to talk to anybody. I don't know if you ever have those days. I just want to be by myself. And I'm going to be, and every time I, every time I go on the airplane, I always end up sitting by someone who ends up wanting to tell me everything, you know. And so, you know, I was in the, I was in the, um, the terminal, and I'm like, you know what? I, I don't want to talk to anyone on the plane. And, um, and I have no way to avoid it. So I went to one of these kiosks and I bought a pair of headphones to go into my phone. And, you know, the, and everything is more in the airport. I probably could have got these for five bucks at Walmart and they were $18 at the airport. But I'm like, you know what, 18 bucks to not have to talk to anyone for two hours on the way home, priceless. So I bought them. I got them in my pocket. I'm walking on the plane. I feel them, make sure they're there. I'm going to get on there. I'm going to pop this into my phone, stick the buds in my ear. I won't have to listen to anyone for the whole trip. It'll be great. And so I walk on, I'm looking at my ticket, and I realize, okay, 34C, and I see 34B, and there's a woman sitting there already. And I feel for my, yep, they're still there. Praise the Lord. And I walk over there and I sat down and I don't even get seated. And, and the woman says, um, she says, how are you doing today? I thought, good. So long as that's the last question I have to answer. <laughs> and I reach in there and I pull them out and I start opening them up. And then the question, 
She says, so what do you do for a living? I thought, oh boy. I said, well, I'm a pastor. She says, oh, thank God you're here. So I put my earbuds back in my pocket. (laughs) And for the next hour and 45 minutes, this woman opened up her life, everything that had gone on, all the areas she needed help with. And by the time I got done with her, we were connecting with a church. She was from New Jersey, so go figure, you know. Uh, Connect her with a church that she was going to, go to when she got back and to take her disabled daughter. And I thought, you have got to be kidding me. So I have a pair of headphones for sale in the back for 18. (laughs) On sale today for $15, folks. Never used, never used. Maybe it's not an accident that the harvest is here And so are we. Think about it. Maybe your coworker is your appointment. I want to demystify this whole concept of outreach today. And I want to do it with a very simple tool that we're going to get in everyone's hands. And I, I don't know how this distribution is going to, to go out. Um, I'm just, whoever is going to be grabbing these, I know we have it. Um, can you start bringing these down and handing these out to everyone in here? I want to give you a simple card. And this is a simple process that we can all do. And with these, I want us to saturate to saturate our community and our culture with the thought that I am God's outreach strategy. I am God's plan to reach my world. I'm not God's plan to reach your world. You are. And where I am, I'm not going to ask you to reach it. That's where God has me. So I'm God's plan to reach my world. And there is a three-part strategy that I want us to think about on this, just to demystify. I remember when I was growing up, we would have Thursday night visitation. And you had to give up whatever you were going to do on Thursday night in order to go out and to connect with people that you've never met before. And I was okay with it until deer season came. And I'm like, I've got to give up deer hunting? to go out and talk to people I've never met before. And and I want to demystify the whole thing. You know, you may not need to give up deer hunting, but maybe God wants you to take someone deer hunting. You don't need to give up shopping. Maybe you need to take someone shopping with you. And so I, I want us to start thinking about God's outreach strategy may be you where you are and not necessarily looking for a special program. So there's three things I want us to think about here, and they are on both sides of your card. There are three steps to personal outreach that I want us to think about. Number one is to pray. The text already mentions it. Pray, 
The Lord of the harvest has sent forth workers. So when we think about praying, I, I want you to pray specifically for your contacts with people. In fact, I'd like you not only to do that, I want you to think of three people to pray for. And on these cards are three blanks. And maybe you don't even know their name. Maybe it's the tall greeter guy at Lowe's. And write that in there. But I want you to think about the harvest and I want you to write down three people that are part of God's plan and appointment for you. And I, I would love for you to think about them and put their name here. I want you to pray for them every day. Chances are we will connect with people better if we pray for them. And we're asking for God's special import into their life in this whole concept of outreach. I want you to pray for them. The next part of outreach is investing. I want you to invest in them. This is the fun part of outreach. I want you to build a relationship with them. I want you to connect with them. Things and ways we can invest. Um, have them over to eat. Have them over to celebrate. Do normal things with them. Have family time and connect the families together. If you work out, work out with them. Invite them over for a birthday party or a Christmas party or a Thanksgiving party or a barbecue or go to their kids' games or go to the movies together or do some recreation together. And here's the whole idea of investing. What we do, do it as an investment into their lives. I'm not asking you to do anything new. I'm just asking that what you do, use that to invest in the lives of others. So part of our outreach strategy, first of all, pray for these people. And then as a family, think, how are we going to invest in them? How are we going to connect with them? It used to be you could just go up to someone you never knew and just talk with them and build a relationship. I used to do this visitation thing. I would knock on someone's door. They would have no idea who I am. I would say, hello, I'm Brian from Maranatha Baptist Church. Can I come in and talk to you about spiritual matters? They'd say, sure. And I would just walk in their house, sit in their living room. We'd just start talking. Try that today and see what happens. You need to invest your lives in people. They're not going to believe in Jesus if they don't believe in you. Connect with them. Invest with them. So the first thing is pray. Invest. Then the third thing is invite. Sooner or later, there's a turn in our opportunity and we invite them. What do we invite them to? Well, we can invite them to church. We can invite them, maybe you just invite them to Jesus. You get in their lives and they open up, you invite them to Jesus. Maybe invite them to our kids program coming up or to a special event, but sooner or later, we don't just invest, but we also realize this needs to take a turn and I need to open them up to the real need that they need a shepherd. Come with me is the invitation. Come with me. And, and let's see 
Let's see this Jesus together. Pray, invest, invite. The reason why we hand these out is because in many cases, churches have lost the deep urgency that every individual in them is God's outreach strategy. We've foregone individual outreach for the big program. And to back that up, a Gallup poll in the 80s indicated that out of all evangelical American believers, only 2% had personally introduced another person to Christ. 2%. 2% locked into the purpose of the church. Instead of it all being about church, it needs to be about us being God's strategy for reaching our world. And I mentioned this last week, and it rings true again today. Christ met unbelievers where they were in that dark world. He realized many Christians today still seem to under, need to understand this. According to one count, the Gospels recorded 132 contacts that Jesus had in his world, 132. Six were in the temple, four were in the synagogues, and 122 were out there in the regular walk of life. Jesus knew the outreach strategy was to be out there where the harvest was. And for us, we're going to leave here in just a moment, and we are going to walk right into that harvest field. And I want you to keep this with you. Who are you praying for? Who are you investing in? Who are you going to invite? I'm not just putting that out there for you. I'm trying to do it myself. And I can't tell you yet that God's connected me with someone locally. And it's just by going to the same place and you get to know them. Go to the same store. Go inside the bank instead of just doing it on your computer. Try to meet up with the same people and build a bridge. You'd be surprised what God will do when you're out in the harvest field. Would you take your card for a moment? I don't know if you filled it out yet or not, but would you stand with me? And I want to do the first prayer for the people that God is going to connect you with in this harvest field. And just hold on to that card if you would. And I want to pray for you and pray with you for God's blessing as you touch them. Father, would you burn in our hearts the reality that I am God's plan to reach my world. You have surrounded us by the harvest. Help us to feel compassion. Help us to see them as the opportunity. 
and help us to view our presence as an appointment. And for my friends here this morning that are touching a card that represents people and sheep that are harassed and helpless, needing a shepherd, I pray that you would give us courage, creativity, compassion, care to connect with all of the people that you've put around us. Help us not just to focus on self or our buddies or the people we know, but with the people that really have the need. And God, I pray for everyone in this room that you would give them blessing as they reach out. I pray that there would be fruit from what we do together personally in the lives of others. And I pray that in the end, there would be more disciples, more people to give you praise. And God, I pray that for my friends. Continue to grow your kingdom, grow your church, and we give you all the praise. And all of East Bay Calvary said, amen. These cards, hold on to them, gang. And there'll be more actually at the hub if you need to get some others. You're allowed to have six names. We'll let that happen. But really look at everyone as an appointment. God's mission field, the harvest. And you're there on purpose. And I'm actually excited to hear your stories. Do me one more favor and then we're going to be dismissed. You have a story. Um, you start connecting with someone. You're investing. I, I'd love to hear about it. Would you ship me an email or give me a call in the office? Uh, my email is right on the church website, bconover at eastbaycalvary.org. I'd love to hear about it and celebrate with us being God's outreach strategy to reach our world. Well, we're going to finish up, and this is a first in my tenure as pastor. I'm letting you out two minutes early. <laughs> Don't forget about it, because I'll probably get those two minutes back someday. Remember to celebrate with the Svecs. Safety on the roads. God bless you this week as we're out in the harvest. Have a good one.